How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Bucks, a Friday edition ahead of the Bucks and Timberwolves uh, going at it tonight in Minnesota. I'm Frank Madden. Today we're brought to you by SeatGeek. Download the mobile app and use our promo code LOBUCKS. That's L-O-B-U-C-K-S. Enter that on the settings tab. Get a $20 rebate after your first purchase. So thanks a lot to SeatGeek. And thanks to our special guest today. I've talked to this man for, I don't know, over a year about doing a podcast, and we're finally making it happen because Eric's name is is still traveling, so Eric, safe travels. Um, but tonight I have with me, coming live from Taiwan on the other side of the world, uh, but he's a Bucks fan and Wisconsin native, so um, so I'm excited to finally get him on. Uh, ben Thompson. Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I am. I am very excited to be here. Uh, we've been talking about the podcast for a long time. I have one personal axe to grind, which I'm very excited to grind. So, uh, uh, yes, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Excellent. So, for those who who don't know Ben, um, you've probably, if you follow me on Twitter, you've probably seen me retweet Ben and his basketball account at No Tech Ben. So go ahead and follow that. Um, ben is a huge basketball fan, and I, that's not how I found Ben, though. I actually. Um, know Ben first and foremost because he is uh, just a phenomenal tech writer and tech analyst um, covering everything that you might be interested in in the world of technology. So if you're interested in Facebook, Google, Amazon, Uber, and sort of the big picture of the strategy behind companies like that, um, he has started a, a phenomenal website called stratechery.com. And um, I, I pay for two things on the internet in terms of like written content and one of them is ESPN Insider because like you know you just kind of have to if you cover sports and the other is Ben's um, subscription side of his site he also has a free weekly update which um, if 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 you just want to sample it go take the plunge but um, Ben is a, a phenomenal analyst and, and critical thinker about technology and the cool thing is now that I've gotten to know Ben about basketball he brings that same uh, critical eye to to the sport of basketball and thankfully He's from the state of Wisconsin, and that means that he, like like uh, like myself, uh, has been condemned to being a lifelong Bucks fan. So, Ben, I know we were talking a bit earlier about what we wanted to talk about. We don't have a game to talk about, which I think is better. Um, and and I think you said you already said you have an axe to grind, but but what? But you can start with the axe, or you can start with sort of like how you're going to polish the axe and and the approach you're going to take. Because I think it's pretty similar to uh, to what I'm used to you uh, doing as a writer in tech and as a podcaster and and everything else. No, that that's a good way to think about it. So yeah, so I'm no tech man on Twitter, but my regular Twitter account is Ben Thompson, which um, I like to rant and rave during games. So I just separated the two. But my so in in tech, right? There's a there's a ton of people writing about tech, but mostly they're writing about like actual products and like day-to-day stuff and all those sorts of things, which I would kind of analogize to people who write about basketball, writing about the game and what happened in specific plays and, and all those sorts of things. The approach I kind of take is to try to back up and look at it more systematically and where not just the news of the day, but kind of big picture, like how it fits in the big picture, companies, culture, you know, all, all those sorts of all those sorts of things that most people don't necessarily think about and write about. And yeah, I think that's exactly right. The, the, the I have some thoughts on from that perspective about the bucks <laughs> in particular, the one, the one thing every time we've talked about doing a podcast, I said, I want to talk about this and that is the notorious MCW trade. <laughs> and, and I, there's nothing I like more than, than relitigating the, the MCW trade. <laughs> but I swear, I don't think anyone has has quite my specific take on it. So hopefully it's going to be original content and half the audience hasn't already stopped listening to this podcast. I, I think it is. And I think most importantly, it's relevant to the big picture of where the Bucks are right now, which is obviously you know, a kind of a, and I say this cautiously, kind of peering from, from uh, you know, 
like the opposite of peering I, into the abyss. Like we're, we're yeah, I'm, into I'm the kind of like, 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 you know, I'm like, I'm like looking around the corner, uh, expecting to see, you know, uh, a freight train come and hit me when I say this. But, um, you know, power rank. I, I, I think Tom Ziller had a power rankings thing where he was looking at where teams rate um, offensively and defensively relative to the best and and uh, the best teams in the league. And the Bucks, by that metric, come out eighth. And in net rating terms, they have been really good and have been getting better. And I, I tweeted out last night, they're one of, I think, five or six teams that are top 10 in both offense and defense. They're 10th in offense, 8th in defense right now, which, you know, um, six weeks ago, I would have said that's that's crazy. So, OK, the Bucks are <laughs> sneakily respectable. Good. Well, well, the, uh, we have we yeah. have the young team curse, right? Where like, yeah, the, the, well, the Bucks have the young team per- curse plus a Bucks complication, which is the young team <laughs> curse is. It's so exciting to cheer for this team because you know, like, we have like multiple years ahead of us of the team only getting better. The problem is because they're so young, we have to put up with games like that Washington game or, or the other Washington <laughs> which game one? or, yeah, or, the, or the Atlanta game. game, right? I mean, so which, which is, you know, that's just the, that's what happens when you have a young team. They don't know how, they don't know how to how close those out, which, which is, which is, and it's hard to pull back because you, you get so locked in. And step back. No, it's okay. This is normal. Like we got to figure out how to how to deal with this. But then we have the Bucks complication, where yeah, we're, the freight train complication. I think is is a good one, where we're just waiting, you know, for everything to to go wrong. Kind of like how it did a couple years ago, where the Bucks had this surprisingly fun and and successful team, you know, way exceeding expectations. We were what like uh, how do you do three and a half games or seven games over five hundred or whatever, whatever it was thirty and twenty three. Thirty and twenty three. Yeah, thirty and twenty three. And and then we trade the best player on that team, which was Brandon Knight. And I I honestly believe, I, I swear to God, this is one of the best trades that any NBA team has made in the last in the last ten years. I I promise. Records you, I, record scratch. Insert record scratch. Okay. Okay. Let's so, go. Let's go with it. All right. So there's multiple things going on here. So first and foremost, the absolute best thing about that trade is that they got rid of Brandon Knight. And this is, I think, I think this is the thing that Bucks fans understand, but a lot of people around the NBA don't really get. And that is like Brandon Knight was the best player on that team. He was the best player in that trade. And it, and he was, he had to get off of the Bucks. He, he, he's, he was coming up for his contract renewal. And first, and he was the, he could not be on the team if Giannis was going to become the player he's going to be. Like we we all heard about it, what was going on internally? Brand Knight wanted to be the man. He wanted to be the point guard. He wanted the ball in his hands. And as we and he see- was very and he was very definitive that he was a point guard. I think that's one of those one of the interesting things that when he was when it was suggested to him that might be he might be a shooting guard, he was very. Uh, recalcitrant towards that towards right and we've seen and, it and we've seen what happened in phoenix like the the way yeah. things have gone in phoenix i think have validated that part of the trade like he he's just not he's i mean he's not the sort of guy who's going to be on a well two things one i don't think he's the sort of guy who's going to be on a, on a great team because he he's not going to he's not a good enough player to have that sort of attitude right if he was willing to make himself into a spot up you know great spot up shooter secondary creator and be a good defender like he would be a phenomenal asset for the bucks or for anybody else but he just from an attitude perspective i don't think he has it in him so and so that's one and then two because the you know if anything if, if there's a silver line to chris middleton's in injury this year it's that it, it was unquestionable that Giannis was the dominant leader of this team right and he's going to have the ball and he's going to take the most shots and he's going to get and he's going to score the most points and that is a that is so critical for the bucks in the long run yes in the short run it, it hurt it hurt to lose night but for the bucks to become the team that they could be Giannis has to become the best player and he has now become that and now we're looking at the potential of being you, you said on the podcast last week the potential best player in, in the league and none of that it might still happen if Knight's there, but it's way more complicated. It's way more drama, and we have we would have a guy on our team who we're paying. How much is Phoenix paying him? Like twenty million or something? Eighteen million? It, he's five years seventy, so he has the Middleton deal. So I mean, he his deal is is totally respect. I mean, even if he was just a Lou Williams type, like excellent bench scorer, like that deal is fine. But I think what you're getting at is is and it's funny because I, I think there's a there's a lot between Michael Red and Brandon Knight that there's some similarities in terms of like they're both God fearing 
model citizen, you know, intelligent guys. And we conflate that often with great teammates who are going to sacrifice their themselves for the team, you know, for the team and things like that, which, which those are very different things. Right. And we've seen it in Phoenix where, you know, he's coming, now he's coming off the bench and he's struggled for the most part. He's had injuries since he's been over there and he's um, complaining and, and he's not happy. Right. And it seems inevitable that he's going to get traded again. And I think that was always my question with Brandon Knight was at some point I thought he was going to figure it out and, and become that type of bench scorer guy but I didn't think it was going to happen in Milwaukee. Right. Um, and I think it would be even worse in Milwaukee because he was the best player on the Bucks. Like there's no question he was the best player that year. And, and he, was he going to just naturally step back and let Giannis overtake him? I don't think so. And, and the, these, the, the mistakes so many teams make that have great players. You see this, you see this in New Orleans, poor, poor Anthony Davis. You saw it in Cleveland the first time around is that they, they load up too soon. Right, they they they're too worried about winning now, and you the key to building around these guys is to put the guys in place so that when they reach year six or year seven, that your team is is has grown up with him. And Brandon Knight was not part of that. And what was so great about that trade was first and foremost getting rid of him, getting rid of him not just for the short term issues and resigning him but because knowing well knowing if you had to resign him if you came on the contract either one he would leave and you just lost an asset for nothing or two if you resigned him now you're locked into this guy and and he's not the fit for the long term both for age reasons and for basketball and for like personality and team reasons so getting like not signing him not resigning him was enough to make that was enough to make that deal a great deal yeah, and I think the the problem with with you know the, the, it happens. I mean, I look at a team like Orlando, which went big after Serge Ibaka last summer for whatever reason, um, and now it's just like a thing. Like, well, you have Serge Ibaka, and you can't you can't develop Aaron Gordon as a four because you have too many big guys, and they can't trade Vucevic for whatever they think is fair, um, and so they're in this they're in sort of this like parallel like universe that the bucks could have been in maybe where you're building around like, and it's different types of players, obviously, but you're, you're, you're basically condemning your young, most prized possession in terms of, of upside potential guy to, you know, the suboptimal usage. Um, I think, I think it was Zach Lowe was saying that like Gordon as of like a couple weeks ago had had, like he had three points as a pick and roll finisher all year or something oh, like oh. that, which is just, insane that a guy like that would not be used as a pick and roll finisher i mean we'll look at Giannis. i mean look at how he's a guy with incredible ball skills and look at what he's been able to do with his athleticism um as a pick and roll finisher um as you know a change of pace thing even if he's he's often you know on the ball but um but yeah i think it's this interesting um challenge you know where teams are always stuck they nobody wants to let especially you know quote unquote small markets nobody wants to just lose lose assets for nothing Right. And so you just sort of feel like, well, we got to keep these guys. And then you kind of just walk down this path and you're in these, you know, joyless marriages, basically, where everybody on the outside knows that, yeah, you're not going to win a championship with this. You're not. You know, this isn't for the best of, of everybody else on the team. Right. And these but, aren't financial markets, right? Where, where there's liquid markets and you can trade assets easily, right? Exactly. You have to actually make I mean, we, we can get talk about Philly in a little bit and why I'm I'm more critical of them than I think other people in sort of analytical community but this is part of the problem too is yes you th- there's a thing about acquiring assets but you you have to so a big picture in the NBA is so many of the decisions especially for small markets that go into winning a championship have to be made like 4 to 5 years before the championship window opens and this is the mistake that New Orleans has made this is the mistake that Cleveland has made and it's the it's the one big thing that the Bucks got right with that trade, and also a thing they got really wrong with Plumlee, which we, which we should talk about in a moment. But that's so critical. I mean, I think the the reaction people listening are like, "Yes, we agree with you. Agree with you." The problem is we should have got the Lakers pick, which right. which again, from a basketball perspective, I completely agree. And and I, I think we talked about this at, at the time. At the time, it was obvious that was the best asset in the trade. You know, MCW was not a good fit for. He's not a good fit for the Bucks because he's only effective with the ball in his hands because he can't shoot, which again has the same problems as with the whole Giannis thing. But you have it's less of a he's not 
the best player being asked to give the ball. He's another sort of struggling guy where, you know, so you, you, you immediately got rid of those tensions. But I think the thing people forget about that trade, especially in retrospect looking back, is, oh, man, imagine if we had the Lakers pick right now, is that that trade, like, the Bucks didn't have a new stadium at the time. And then they had this disastrous season where they lost, you know, tons of games. And obviously it turned out great. We got Parker. And man, it, it sure is delightful to see how Parker is kind of surpassing Wiggins. Um, <laughs> you know, the, in the last few, last, last month or so in particular, just kind of in the broad, broader opinion. But they had this disastrous season, which like people around the Bucks were worried was going to cost them the stadium because people would, they just wouldn't have support for it and they have this great season coming out of the gate and like it, it helps and there's actually some excitement around the team again and perfect timing for the the the, the votes that were going to be about the stadium and but the problem is they're they're stuck because they, they have to get rid of their best player they have to make this this kind of exciting surprising team worse for the long-term future of the franchise but they have to get the stadium approved and if they would have traded their best player for a draft pick it would have been the right basketball move. It would have been, you know, uh, what Sam Hinkie would have done, for, for lack of a better word. Um, but it, like, in the if you think about the big picture about the Bucks organization and their status in the future of Wisconsin, getting the stadium deal, it it could have gone horribly wrong. You you could have built this narrative. This team is just bleeding the people of Wisconsin for money. They're not even trying to win. They just traded away their best guy. We're just gonna have what are we gonna do? Build a stadium so we can have years of mediocrity? Like I think I don't think that was a politically viable deal if you think about the Bucks as a whole. And given that, they got a guy Worth a flyer on, former rookie of the year. Yes, I know he was old and, and he couldn't shoot, and that, that was a terrible draft class, except for Giannis, obviously. But but they got a guy who they could sell from a PR perspective. They got the trade, and in the long run, would it be great to have that pick? It would, but know what's even better? Having a stadium deal being <laughs> and a stadium being built in Milwaukee in which Giannis-led teams are going to compete. If you back up and you consider everything that goes into it, I, I it's hard to imagine this trade working out better for the Bucks. Yeah, it's it's funny because you know, we can construct all these sort of, you know, parallel realities where different things happen, but you know, and I think it's funny too when you when you go back before 2013 in particular and you say, well, if the Bucks had drafted Clay Thompson, blah 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 blah. Uh, you know what? If the Bucks draft Clay Thompson, that's a much better basketball decision, but you know what? Who knows what happens after that? Who knows if they select Giannis in the 2013 right, draft exactly. a couple of years later? You know, yeah. it, it's 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 just it's impossible. You can you can look at these things in isolation, and it's it's a totally understandable exercise to go through. Um, but you know, all you can do is kind of you know ultimately. I mean, that's that's how obviously you know GMs and you know uh, franchises are often judged. You know, fairly, you got to kind of judge you know how they sort of played it. You know, at the time, um, but ultimately. You know, the Giannis pick is a great example. I mean, ultimately, there are moves that have just these asymmetrically massive effects on franchises that can, you know, wash away years of bad ones. Um, and, you know, all you need is really that one home run and then and then make some good decisions after it. Um, and that can in many ways be uh, get you to a much better you know end result than if you were just sort of locally optimizing you know every step of the way before that, which you know is kind of a weird thing to say. But let me say one thing. So we were just talking about the stadium. Uh, Want to take a quick moment to talk about SeaKeek, our sponsors. They've been nice uh, great sponsors. Very good segue. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exact, thank you. Um, they've been great sponsors of us. Um, really, since our first sponsor here at Locked On Bucks um, for the past few months, uh, we'll be working with them next year as well, which we're excited about. And of course, by now you know that they are the best way to get the best prices on tickets for uh, concerts, for sporting events, obviously pretty much anything that you might need a ticket to. Um, check out, you know, I use the website, seekgeek.com. The app obviously is great. The app is probably the better thing for you to be using. Um, we've got the promo code LO bucks. Uh, we'll get you that $20 rebate after you make your first purchase on SeatGeek. Um, I've never told the story of the first time I ever used SeatGeek. I think it was a couple years ago. I was flying, I was in Europe. I was flying back with my wife. 
Uh, her favorite band is The Cure, and The Cure was playing like the night we were getting back. We weren't sure, like we had connections. We were like, oh god, I don't want to buy tickets. And we get in into um, you know America like an hour before this show, and who knows what happens with um, you know immigration and all that stuff. But we we land, and literally as we're at baggage claim, I use SeatGeek. I bought tickets. I followed the green dots for the best deals. We got like. 15th row seats and of course you know we waited till like an hour before the show and some had like gotten down to a really low deal and i buy them and like you know a minute later i've got my my swipeable like qr code scanner things like on my phone i can just go straight up to the venue and um see a show and and win very very favorable points with my wife so thank you SeatGeek, for that uh that great moment that that won me some brownie points with my wife but um do check it out um the next bucks home game on January 2nd against Oklahoma City Thunder. Tickets right now, there's a lot of green. Um, and let's see, $24 are the cheapest tickets. So actually more expensive than I than, than we've seen for a lot of games. So maybe Russell Westbrook um, is uh, is a bit more of a draw than you might think, even though that's a that's a Monday game uh, at 6 p.m. I guess. So kind of a kind of a funny start time. But um, do check it out. So anyway, um, I was I, I was distracting us Ben from that uh, with with our kind sponsor mention, um, but yeah, I think it's an well, interesting. Well, thing. I think there's just a, a broader point I think to make, and I think I, I've said it a couple times, but where the to maximize a player like Giannis, like the decisions in this in this window are are there are decisions that actually matter, not the decisions in like three or four years where we're trying to add in a piece. I mean, those will matter on the margins. And if we get pushed over the edge and we could talk about the bucks, you know, kind of challenging salary situation going forward. But the reason it matters right now is the guys you sign when Giannis in part in Jabari are on their rookie deals. Like those are, it's, it's your one opportunity to actually get those players yep. going forward. And honestly, all things considered, I love the MCW Tony Snell trade when it happened. And I think it's going to continue to be a great trade for the Bucks. I know, you know, it's been funny watching Bucks fans like adopt the Chicago Bulls fans posture towards Snell over the season and the, you know, the frustration with him. But, you know, I don't. I don't think. I don't think it's possible for us to hate Tony Snell as yeah. much as as Bull. I was always like, I, before I had the Bucks had anything to do with Tony Snell. I just remember, like, I you know, being just a, somebody who follows basketball, I would be, I'd like occasionally look at Tony Snell's stats and be like, oh, he's like a decent three point shooter and seems like decent at defense, and he seemed to have some good games in the Bucks. And then I would just see all these, you know, the the Bulls fans I follow just the hatred of Tony Snell. And I think a lot of it was just sort of this baggage of, I forget who they picked him ahead of, but I think he was the 20th pick in the, in the draft that he went. And of course, you know, they picked, there were a number of guys who were way better than him afterwards. So there was all like the weird baggage and kind of like MCW in many ways, right? Like the baggage, how you arrive at a franchise has, has such huge implications for, you know, the lens through which people view you and, and the bar that they hold you at. Um, That's a great so, point. but yes, he, he obviously, Tony Snell has, has obviously not had, had um, a phenomenal start to to his Bucks career, um, although he is up to 33.6% from three because he's had um, a couple of, of very good shooting games in a row. So hopefully there there is something to that. But anyway, well, I, well, it's, I, a great, I, well, it's a great example because he, we, we got him because of the Middleton injury. And in some respects, we put him in a similar situation where where he was in Chicago, where he's being asked to he, he's young and he's being asked to be more than he is right now. But I think going forward, I mean, he's a much in a vacuum. You could debate him versus MCW, but for the Bucks, for a team that has you know Giannis and has Jabari, Tony Snell is a much much better player for the Bucks, or at least projects to be a better player. If like in he's someone who's you could see being a you know probably not a starter, but a very useful role player on a championship team. If you know if he gets his three point shooting up, say he starts shooting forty percent on threes, which may be aggressive, even like thirty seven percent or thirty eight percent, and yeah, he sure. becomes a good defender, like that is the perfect player you need for the Bucks. And so I I'm very pleased about this move. And again, you got to think about it in the windows. He's the same year as Giannis. He's not a guy who's six or seven years in the league, right? If you could have the mature version, who's the mature version of Tony Snell, like uh, Trevor Ariza, maybe or something like that. Like yeah, that might be that might be like an upside version of of 
of yeah, Tony Snell. I, I, best outside, case scenario. Yeah, I agree. That's the best case scenario. But would you rather have Trevor Reza or would you rather have Tony Snell for the Bucks? You'd rather have Tony Snell because his development timeline fits the timeline of the Bucks' best players, right? You're and again, it's so hard to get focused on the game today or the game last night or the game tomorrow. What matters for the Bucks? everything that matters for the Bucks is 2019, 2020. And every, all, all the players, all their development, all the moves they make has to be made with that in mind. And it's a luxury we have that that's a realistic and an appropriate thing for us to do. But it's really easy, particularly in the season, in a game when he misses another wide open shot to get super frustrated about that. But... If he's improving, and I and I I think he is, like that's someone that's a great asset. I think going forward, and all things considered, if we got a stadium and a decent three and D guy out of Brandon Knight, like I'm pretty <laughs> I'm pretty happy about that. Wait, does that mean Ben? Does that mean that we're going to refer to uh, the the unnamed arena in Milwaukee as the the house that that Brandon Knight built? Are we <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not, but um, but I think the, the other interesting thing about Snell is that he only kind of does two things vaguely competently, and that's he's got a pretty quick trigger uh, from from the perimeter. And obviously, you know, we haven't seen him hit at, at, at a really high rate yet, but he's generally been kind of league average um, over his career. And he's a very competent defender. And that's literally the only two things that are on the requirements list for a Bucks, especially a exactly, backup shooting. Exactly. Right? We, don't, we don't need so, anything else. Like, the, right. I mean, of course, other things would be nice. It'd be but, nice. But but also, I mean, the, think about this, too, from a price point perspective. I mean, granted, 3 and D guys are, are going to be, I mean, the, 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 the cat is out of the bag. The, you know, those guys are not going to go under the radar as the underpriced asset in, in the NBA. But um, a guy like him, who I think still carries the stigma of, well, he's not a starter. You know, he's he's not a guy that you're going to pencil in as a starter. And the stigma he's of not, Chicago hate. Ex- exactly, exactly. The stink of of the United Center um, hatred. Um, he is a guy who is going to be. And again, maybe this is a famous last words thing. Hopefully, they take a different negotiating tack than they did with Miles Plumley next summer. But he is a guy who you're not going to have to pay eighteen million dollars a year to to resign, right? He he has a very narrow defined skill set he has a role that he is very happy to, to play and that role and that skill set fits the bucks other you know keep key guys and you're not paying for things you don't need you're only paying for basically what you want um which maybe is a very favorable reading of Tony Snell's skill set but um but from a <laughs> roster construction standpoint you know you can't afford you know again and and, and I think maybe this is a, a segue into um you were alluding to to Miles Plumley and sort of the role players the Bucks have have signed, um, and Tony Snell is kind of the big next role player that the Bucks have to make a decision on um, because he is going to be a restricted free agent next summer. His cap hold, I think, is around seven million. Um, and I've mentioned on Twitter, and we can kind of get into this. I mean, the Bucks don't really project to have cap space whether Greg Monroe opts out or not with a hundred three million dollar projected cap. And again, that number could be higher. Um, you know, especially given the way the the um, the CBA is kind of redefining um, the basketball, um, you know, BRI, which is basically the, the pie of money um, a bit more broadly. So maybe that number goes up. That would be great. Um, although it would also, you know, all those things would also drive up sort of Jabari's um, future extension numbers, too. But um, but, you know, think of it this way, like the Bucks are not going to have, you know, 20 million dollars in cap space next summer, whether Greg Monroe opts out or not, um, unless, you know, they move multiple you know, Plumley and Henson or Plumley and Tladovic, you know, something like that, which obviously at this point, you you know, you wouldn't expect them to move a couple guys. So the Bucks kind of are in this weird spot where, as you were alluding to, they've got their young guys coming up. Either Giannis is about to go on to his new deal next summer. Jabari is eligible for an extension this summer. Um, and the window seems to be kind of closed, basically, in terms yeah. of using cap space. Um and they kind of went into last summer, obviously, with a big jump in cap space. And they went out and, and to their credit, got guys who were fits around the young guys. With the exception of Beasley, basically, everybody they signed was like an obvious, oh, yeah, that guy, you know, fits like this with Giannis and Jabari. Um, but I, and I know you have some thoughts on this, but, but obviously that leaves them in, a, in I don't know if it's, I don't know if I want to say precarious position, but. It leaves them in a position that I think maybe a lot of Bucks fans, especially casual Bucks fans, maybe don't appreciate um, that 
they have kind of locked themselves into some things. And granted, all you know, all contracts are tradable, blah blah blah. But um, but you know, the guy, the, the die was somewhat cast last summer as far as the supporting cast goes. Yeah, like as much as I appreciate the MCW trade, this last summer was the exact opposite, and was was really frustrating at the time, and it's becoming only more frustrating this season as as Palmy's riding the pine. And the reason is that when you're to go back to this, like if you're building around a superstar, you have to build, you want to build for his year seven or year eight, where your team is going to be great. The implication of that is like the most important years for signing free agents are year three and year four, because that's the only time you're going to have space because you have to pay the superstar and, or the superstars as it were. And that meant that this summer was the bucks, you guys have talked about this a ton because it, it, I mean it's true. This is the Bucks' last chance to add a meaningful piece, and the signings. You're right; made sense. They've made this team better. Like all the signings, except for Plumley, I think are, are are defensible. But the problem is, I would have rather gotten one guy who is going to be meaningful in 2020 or in 2019, and and because once you get to that stage. You're paying everyone with bird rights anyways. You're probably going to be well over the cap into the luxury tax, but that's okay because you're competing for a championship. And th- they missed the opportunity to add a player who – this was their one chance to add a meaningful player. Now, they're the Bucks, and maybe they, they, they couldn't. They tried to do that <laughs> with Monroe, uh, which obviously didn't, didn't really work out in the, in, last year. It's, been, it's been, been better this year, but that's the – that's the frustration of the, of this summer is rather than getting a nice piece in Toledovich, a nice piece in Delvadova, who although which we could talk about, uh, I'm a little frustrated with, with Delvadova. Although I, I I can appreciate the signing in the con again if you look in the context of this season, good signing. Toledovich was a good signing. A Beasley, shockingly good, good shockingly, signing. Shockingly, yeah. But you know he doesn't really doesn't really count. He's just one, one year guy. Uh, Pumley. I can understand the thinking with Plumley. I think the if anything, the Bucks underestimated Giannis because I think last year Plumley was such a like when Giannis really emerged as the as the point Giannis after the All Star break, it was mostly running pick and rolls with with Plumley, and so I think that's what they resigned him in part because they thought Monroe would leave, but also because he seemed to have such good good chemistry with Giannis and it turned out Giannis has good chemistry with everyone he doesn't need he doesn't need a freaking Miles Plumley to, to be good Jason, Jason Terry is like plus a billion with Giannis on the court so th- that just sort of goes to show you the the incredible power of Giannis with with bench exactly pass. and so it's oh that it's disheartening I'm looking at the spreadsheet right now it's disheartening to look at that Miles Plumley number 12.4 million for four <laughs> freaking years and and it's it's the missed it, it, this was a this was a Pelicans move. This was a Cavs version one move. It was signing a guy for a short term reason that and missing the opportunity to build for you're missing your last opportunity to build for 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 the time going forward. Now, the the fortunate thing it and so here's a counterintuitive take I have on this is that. I think one of the thinkings to sign Plumley was that Monroe was going to leave. I would argue if the Bucks want to maximize their potential because they're kind of locked in this team, it may be the case that Plumley actually becomes a reason to keep Monroe. And the reason that is is the Bucks are going to be capped out. Uh, this so presumably, I think Monroe. If Monroe's smart, I think he'll opt in. I, it's hard to see him getting a better, you know, more than a better deal. He's he's on a He's on a team that I don't know what the internal dynamics are. Obviously, there's the, all the weird stuff with kid. There's always weird stuff with kid um, earlier this year, but he's playing well now. Uh, you know, he's uh, if so. If, presuming he opts in, if you go up to 28, and that's a big assumption to be clear. But if you go to 2018, the Bucks are basically capped out, and if they're capped out, then they have the mid level exception and they have bird rights, and they would then have bird rights on Monroe. And it may end up making sense to sign Monroe with bird rights, put a guy in the middle of exception. Like, are we, is there a better path to get someone better going forward? Cause you have no, you have no cap space. There is no replacing Monroe unless you trade for a guy who you will have bird rights on. And realistically, who's that going to be? Like, it's hard to imagine who it might be. And at the end of the day, we're just betting on Giannis and Parker becoming so good that 
all these other guys become you become great. I think th- probably the huge thing. Sorry, I'm rambling. Uh, but <laughs> I, Brogdon Brogdon might seriously save the Bucks rear end because if he can be a if he can be the starter in Dally's position in the, in the long run, like what the, the Bucks that would be one of the luckiest things ever for the Bucks because they obviously have a huge point guard problem in a cha- for a championship team. It's fine this year, but for a championship team, they have to have a, a better position at point guard and the center position. Like ew, oh, it's frustrating. It's frustrating, Frank. <laughs> All right. Well, let, let me. So uh, the thing, uh, it, it's so funny with Greg Monroe because in in the span of I mean, less than a year, right? End of last season to now, Greg Monroe has gone from the guy whose arrival killed the good vibrations, you know, which was is not a fair critique, but that's obviously what a lot of the narrative was last year. Like, oh, things were so good. And then they, you know, got greedy and they signed Greg Monroe and he was a terrible fit. And, you know, he he hurt the Bucks. And really, it, it, Greg Monroe was not, you know, like the guy who ruined the Bucks, you know, playoff chance last year. I mean, that that's not an, an accurate reading. It, I, I think he was not part of the solution, but he was not the guy who killed, you know, killed the Bucks uh, odds of, 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 you know, getting better well, last just, year. Just to jump in one thing, and I know he's rambled a lot, so this is totally cheating, but the, that, 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 that <laughs> you're the guest, Ben. So that I season, mean, you, that season two years right. ago, that season two years ago, where, what Bucks fans, that was a, that was fun. It was so certainly fun to have a good team and make the playoffs, but any team that was not centered on Giannis and Jabari was not something to get excited about. It just wasn't. And if anything, it hurt the Bucks because it, it got expectations out of whack. Like that was a team where Giannis and where Jabari was hurt. He didn't even play the whole year. And Giannis was a supporting player. Like we were built around like, you know, OJ Mayo and like Jared Bayless. Mid- like a middle and Middleton got good that year. I mean, Middleton got good that year. Um, Zaza was sort of the unexpected anchor of the defense. Giannis became a winning basketball player, I would say, but I, I would also I agree, say, I agree. but, those uh, but I would also players. say he was not like, he was not like a leading, you know, he was not carrying the bucks to wins night, night in and night out. Obviously. Exactly. He was not this, he, he was a frosting on the cake player. Like he, like now he is the cake. And, well, I love frosting Ben. So, you know, <laughs> careful with your metaphor. Well, uh, and a lot and no, but a lot of bucks fans starved from years of bad teams <laughs> enjoyed the frosting that year but what happens when you eat a bunch of frosting you get a sugar high and then you crash and that was that team like it was not a sustainable team going forward and the worst thing we could have done and this would have been again like the 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 Cavs v1 or the Pelican strategy would be to think we had something and double down on that and we we kind of and the Bucks almost got lucky in that they backslid last year because it forced this sort of reset. And the Bucks right now, what's so exciting about the Bucks right now, and what makes these games so thrilling, even when they lose, compared to years and years of watching Bucks, is that it's not this rickety f- house that is livable, but you know it's not going anywhere. Like they, this is the, exactly how the team should be. If the Bucks win a championship, it is like this team, but better. It is Giannis. Giannis handling the ball, Jabari being a go-to scorer, and that's what's exciting is it's the team that's constructed the right way. Now, of unfortunately, with Plumlee in particular, and they're they're capped out now. Like, but we have it right, and we didn't have it right two years ago, and that was fool's gold. And yes, Dud- it would be nice to have Dudley. It'd be nice to have Zaza. But are Zaza and Dudley going to be playing on the Bucks championship team? Of course not. No, no. No, and I think so. And, and that's the funny thing with Monroe is, you know, a year ago, he's he's the scapegoat for, for why they're not making the playoffs this year. I mean, I, I don't like foresee. I mean, we spent the last year thinking about, well, what what is Greg? You know, what can you get in a Greg Monroe trade? And the answer has been not much, even though Greg Monroe was very productive last year. Um, but, you know, the whole argument of he just doesn't fit most teams. And there was only a very, you know, select number of teams that he even really makes sense on given the type of player he is and the way that the league is evolving etc cetera, etc cetera. and oh by the way greg monroe now the bucks are one of those teams that he makes sense on because to his credit he has he's done what we worried greg you know brandon knight would never do right which was accept that okay you know you came in thinking you were the guy you weren't and other guys are better and now let's make something of that. And to his credit, you know, and again, we don't know everything that goes on behind the scenes. And maybe he's, you know, opting out at the, you know, the the first uh, the first second that he can opt out next summer. Um, and maybe he's trying to run away, run away and hide on another team or something. But um, but he he's 
you know, he's being a pro. He's being extremely productive. He's working on both ends. You know, he's treating it like a contract year. Great, you know. Um, and, and, and ironically, and what does, I think if the Bucks, I think if the Bucks trade him at this point, I don't think they're going, they're not going to get some great long term asset because why would a team give up, uh, you know, three and D, you know, why oh, the the Raptors are not giving up Terrence Ross for Greg Monroe, you know, there's not like some long term piece um, supporting piece that you're going to get for Greg Monroe at this point, and so you're basically giving away a guy who is at this point a pretty instrumental part of your second unit. He's the best net rating guy in the team. And, you know, I think it's okay to not to say that Greg Monroe is maybe not a part of the long, long term future. Um, But, you know, and I don't want to say that, like, oh, they got to they got to win as many games as possible this year and mortgage anything. But I think personally, I think it's okay if they say we're hanging on to Greg. And honestly, at this point. I think it's okay if he opts yeah, in. Because okay like, as you they, said, they might resign him honestly because again, you, you it's it's so hard to get guys once you're capped out, especially if you're Milwaukee. People forget you were in freaking Milwaukee, right? And he's a guy who, who I mean having for a small market team to have bird rights on a guy is super duper valuable. And again, in 2018, are you really going to do better than re-signing Monroe and signing a, a, a mid-level exception guy? I'm not sure if you think about that going forward. Like, and and again, what what is Greg? His big weakness is obviously defense. What does he need on defense? He needs someone who can protect Giannis the because he's <laughs> exactly Giannis is Giannis makes Monroe a far more effective player than almost anyone in the league. Because Giannis can protect the rim for him, and, and Giannis playing free safety like they have the Bucks doing, and he's intercepting, getting the passing lanes, and he, he he can get back to the rim. Like he's actually the one of the few guys in the league that can make Monroe a a usable player in in the current NBA. Like again, like maybe maybe it didn't work out as designed, but if you think about this team, everything you do has to think about in twenty twenty. So you go through this roster. Like, who are you going to have better than someone like Monroe to anchor this to have have the second unit? Like Chris Middleton, obviously, him coming back, you'll pray pray to God that his his hamstring did, did no ill effects. Uh, Plumley, uh, Henson. I mean, <laughs> can Henson get better? Maybe a little bit. He is he he is he is what he is. But obviously, if you have Parker, who is a becomes a dominant scorer, a go to scorer, and I think Parker is the key for these end of game situations. Uh, like he needs to become like, I mean, the, the people have done the mellow comparison, but you need in the NBA the guy you can just give the ball to and he gets a bucket. And Parker, I think, is that guy. And he, I think he, the key, you know, I loved how how pissed he was after that Washington game, and then he came back in the in just wrecked havoc in, in the Detroit game. That was that like I was Parker's development this season is has been amazing and I, I doesn't get enough credit I think because Giannis is is been just so so ridiculous but man if he if if this team will go as far as Giannis and Parker takes us and all this other stuff is a is a sideshow and you know we 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 might we might have a lot of if the Bucks win the championship in four or five years I think all the p- players that matter are probably already on the Bucks team we might get one more player like a veteran type guy with a mid-level exception. But realistically, th- if we win, it very well may be Brogdon at point guard, Middleton at shooting guard, Giannis and, and Parker at the forwards, and a poo-poo platter at center. And and you know what? Like Because at the NBA, it matters about your stars. If Giannis and Parker are good enough, that team that team has the potential to do it. One one thing um, to jump back at the you know the Bucks had their shot sort of this summer this past summer um, with with regards to to free agency and and kind of building what they were going to be moving forward. I think the interesting thing is when you look at the sort of landscape of guys that were in play. You know, the one guy who I think um, you know it was reported on that was a higher price guy than anyone they signed that they went after who was a higher priority was Kent Bazemore, and I think the interesting thing is. You know, Kent Bazemore made me nervous because he, you know, had struggled a bit and then he kind of found himself in Atlanta. Um, good player, I think, in his idealized form could have made a lot of sense for the Bucks, even potentially starting as a nominal point guard um, with Giannis maybe being more ball dominant, more point Giannis than than Del Vadova has been. Um, but I think, you know, ultimately what we're seeing this year is that Kent Bazemore was, you know, a 
ten million dollar player masquerading as as what he you know got eighteen million or whatever it was from Atlanta and and I think for the Bucks we dodged the ball. you know if if yeah I think if if the option was you know you sort of diversify with multiple cheaper and I realize they weren't cheap cheap but multiple ten million dollar guys um, and you know, and and you sort of really fill out your rotation a bit, even if none of those guys are, you know, long term big difference makers. You know, Delvadova is young enough that he, you know, he's going to be thirty in four years, right? So he could actually be on a potential contending team. And I I realize he's not going to be like a foundational piece or anything like that, but he could be a backup, sure, yeah. right? I mean, he, he's been a backup on a on a great team. Um, and Toledovich, more of a bridge. You know, he's he's old enough that you know I don't think four years from now you're expecting to re-sign him and that he's going to be some some key guy. But I think he also you know helps Giannis and Jabari in the short term because he obviously stretches the floor and and kind of makes them can make them look better. Um, demands that they do more stuff defensively as well to kind of <laughs> you know come up you know make up for his his, his shortcomings. Um, and so and and then Plumlee though I agree. I mean we've you know I I. I think everybody knows my opinion of the Plumlee deal. I'm, I like Plumlee as a fit guy, especially, you know, at the time, I think everybody obviously thought that, well, yeah, they're, they're still going to, they're still going to find a way to trade Monroe. Right. Yeah. Obviously that hasn't happened and, and probably for the best, right. Because of everything that we've seen. But, um, but yeah, I mean the, the mistake with Plumlee is just, you know, who, what was the next best offer, you know, and, and yeah. I, I, you know, I, it's still not clear to me what the true rationale was for kind of going overboard with, with Plumley, because you know, <laughs> hearing you know, hearing the talk about Giannis taking slightly less than the max to help the Bucks with their oh, cap, dude. with their cap flexibility. I have, you know, I have and opinions. You look at the you look at their cap sheet, and you're like, they're they're not signing anybody because Giannis took less. It just subsidized Plumley getting overpaid, and it's going to make it a little bit give them a little bit more breathing room. Um, versus if he had taken you know, a couple million dollars more a year, then their tax situation would be a little bit tougher to navigate. So that that that's the part that is sort of the toughest well, can, to, can, to can swallow. I, can, I, can I rant on yeah, that one? Go ahead. So oh, oh, first off, quick note. The, what I would have liked, my ideal buck summer would have been signing someone like Bismack Biombo, who is the right age, the position of need, and like in four years could be, you know, you can see him being the starting center on on a, on a championship team like the Bucks. But yeah, you know, that aside, the Giannis contract was really disappointing uh, if for from my perspective. And the reason it was really disappointing is it goes back to getting stuck in the – from a sort of spreadsheet analysis, it's a it's an amazing deal. You have one of the best players in the NBA at, at below a max. Wow, clap your hands. The problem is that basketball is played by people. And we have a situation where our best player probably – coming up once Parker resigns is not going to be our highest paid player and he's not going to be getting do you, so do you do you, do you think that that Jabari because because this is sort of one of the interesting things like if Giannis well, taking that less, deal yeah well, you, well well not even less but just if they if they go to Jabari and say hey man we love you guys both um we're going to give you throw a hundred million dollars on down on the table and you know this will take care of you for life and it's also you know going to help us continue to kind of you know have flexibility and granted i know it's kind of a bs line but, but it worked with the honest's agent so you know maybe it works with well, jabari's it, but, it's, um, it's, it's, but it's, like is that do you think that's do you think that's likely um or it sounds like you don't think that's likely it, it doesn't matter if it's likely i think you succeed like i don't think you mess around particularly if you're a small mark like milwaukee you don't mess around with nickel and dime your best players it's not worth it like whatever you nickel, you nickel and dime Miles Plumley, right? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. pay Giannis. Like, like you're. Why even take the risk of Giannis getting grumpy about this? I mean, obviously the designated player veteran extension is like a godsend to the Bucks, but yeah. I mean beyond the fact that it's you know the whole NBA max salary structure is you know is unfair to the best players. Giannis, like even if Giannis signed the max, the Bucks would be he would probably be the best contract on the team. Right. If you have a, if you have a top five player on the team, it doesn't matter how much you're paying him under the current psychop structure. He's going to be underpaid. And and by the way, I was I was just in case people are curious, I was screwing around. Um, I think roughly the ma- so if if the Bucks had had written him the like made him a, gave him the designated sort of the old designated player offer basically 30, 30% and said for five years right thirty you know um, well twenty five percent because he wouldn't have 
Um, I don't think he would have qual- he wouldn't oh, have yeah, gotten right, MVP right. or whatever. Um, but if you gotten twenty five percent, I think the five year max with eight percent raises, which is also slightly more than what he would have gotten, I think it would have been something like one hundred and forty nine, hundred and fifty million total. Um, and the interesting thing is, I think if you kind of map it out, and we don't even have projections out far enough for the twenty one twenty two season, twenty one twenty two season. But if you take twenty twenty one cap estimates and and look at what he might be eligible for with that DPE thirty five percent max. I think his starting salary would probably be like in the low 40s, I want to say, if he qualifies. So sort of the interesting thing is, you know, they end up paying him four for 100. And if you take the leap to say, you know, knock on wood, he'll be that transformative player that we are seeing now four years from now. You know, he'd probably he'll probably end up getting about 140 some million dollars versus, you know. 149 or something like that if they had just written him that max check. And if that had been then. Um, and I think that was the interesting thing because I think the big reason why teams didn't want to sign the blank check contracts, like why CJ McCollum got a set dollar amount, even though it was more or less the max um, for four years, was because teams didn't want to open up the possibility that if the they write issue exactly that the league says, well, actually, the max is now the full 25 percent. It's not based off this slightly lower cap thing. And we'll give eight percent rather than seven point five percent raises. So, the, again, and this gets to your point. You know, from an accounting, you know, if I put on my green visor, right, you'd say very shrewd, you know, very shrewd lawyeristic sort of approach to to signing that deal from sort of, you know, I totally understand from sort of like a what's right in your heart. And, you know, well, it's, not just throwing- right, it's not just right from your heart. It's that this stuff matters. Like locker room dynamics matter. Like Giannis being happy and feeling like he didn't get screwed matters. And like that's in that stuff you don't put on a spreadsheet. It's hard to value. It's what Sam Hinkie screwed up on. I mean, like I like Hinkie. I think he. I think he follows my other account on Twitter. But like he, this is what he got wrong. Like he, he got the big picture theory right. I, I have a bigger problem with it about kind of the spirit of competition and the rules. But you can appreciate what he did. What 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 Hinky didn't get right, and this has been discussed at nauseum. But his two big things is one, he didn't appreciate that what goes into succeeding in a job and what goes to see the basketball team is more about than the spreadsheet. And like we, we, this is a big thing in tech in general, right? You talk about like features and you know speeds and feeds, you know, to sell products versus selling like an experience. You know, like this has always been sort of like Apple's thing that like they sell they sell a, a, a bigger experience as opposed to just surprise like and specs. delight, right? right surprise exactly. Surprise and delight. But and it's not that's not just about selling. It's it's about I mean, what everything's selling. Life is selling. But the other I mean, the other big thing that that Hinky got wrong while I'm here is drafting Julio Okafor. Like to to me, like. People in the analytics community knew ahead of everyone where the week was going, the 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 pace and space, and and that Okafor was a disastrous fit for the week going forward. And the fact that the alleged, and, and for that team, right, and, and yeah, for that specific, yeah, team. they already had him beat. And the fact, and I knew he might not come back, but you had Noel. Like in the fact that the patron saint, uh, I don't understand how the patron saint of the analytics community gets a pass for drafting a player that was a completely wrong fit. And you say, oh, you're collecting assets. It's a bad asset because he doesn't fit the league. It's not just he doesn't fit the Sixers. He doesn't fit the league. And yeah, and, and like everything, it's not just about, I, I there, there's, a, there's a pendulum, right? On the one hand to dismiss analytics and, and analytics have won, right? But for a while, there's a big debate, you know, you know, getting sucking nerves, blah, blah, blah. But you can go too far to the other side. You can get too wrapped into the numbers, too wrapped into people fit. And to say that you're too wrapped into it is not to dismiss it. It's to say that things like chemistry matter, things like Giannis feeling valued and that he's the man matter. And that he's such a great kid, it's probably not going to be an issue. But why right. take the risk? There is nothing more important to the Milwaukee Bucks. There's nothing more important to their future than Giannis. And of all the things to screw around with, that should be the absolute last thing to do. And that contract infuriated me for that reason. It was taking, it was short term thinking. It was narrow thinking about your most important, most valuable asset that is single handedly transforming your franchise. And, and now we have to deal with it. We have to hope, we have to hope that Parker takes a, like, so what are we going to do with Parker? We have two options. Um, either one, Parker takes a below market deal because he is a max player. Either he takes a below market deal and then Giannis and Parker 
Giannis doesn't feel upstaged by Parker, but they can go together and bitch about Bucks management. Like, <laughs> like what's what's the upside here? And, and we're, I mean, this is not of all the places to save money. It's not on your star players. Like your number one thing is your star players are happy and they are leaders. And again, both seem like great guys. And so we might get lucky. But there is no upside to having done this. There just isn't. And the illusion – a guy who you will sign with the space you save with Giannis is not going to be a difference maker. The NBA is all about your best players. That's all that matters. The only thing that matters for the Bucks winning is if Giannis and Parker become two of the best players in the NBA. Everything else is ancillary. And Yeah, and I – and I think that I think the you know the the Warriors are an interesting team to look at because they've had guy you know I think Clay is slightly less than the max technically Draymond, Draymond, Draymond is slightly is, less Draymond than the max. Draymond is a ticking time bomb. Like, yeah, the, the, and I, and Curry Curry is obviously way less than the max, and that you know obviously there are reasons for that, and and it happened way before sort of the cap explosion. But they, they're sort of an interesting thing, team to watch. Obviously, you hope that. And and I think that Giannis and Jabari, from everything we know about them, I mean, part of the reason why Giannis signed this contract in the first place was because he is much more a Stephen Curry type guy than, you know, a guy who is is, you know, keeping track and, and keeping score like a John Wall or, you know, uh, maybe a Draymond. Right. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a good point. You, you never know. And, and we don't know if Jabari is going to take. You know, we don't know if Jabari is going to be allow himself and his agent if they allow the Bucks to hold him prisoner to Giannis signing a below market contract, right? Because that's that's basically, I think, what the Bucks' strategy, I assume, will be when they go into negotiations. Yeah, there's no good outcome here. Either Parker is either you're sowing the seeds for Parker to be unhappy, or you're sowing the seeds for Giannis to be unhappy, like with with the Parker contract. Because if Parker signs for way more, Giannis, like he should be upset. And if Parker signs for less, Parker should be upset, and they both should be upset because they're they're, they're under market. It like we have the two we nothing we have two stars. Don't mess around with them. Uh, yeah. So so I would I, like I, I would be that was my biggest disappointment of the summer was that even more than the Plumley thing. Like I give me Plumley at twelve point four freaking million dollars a year and Giannis on a max, and I <laughs> and uh, I, I would I don't think it's the best summer. I think the best summer would be Giannis on a max and someone like Bismack Biombo. And we would be worse this year, I think, if we had if we had done that. And we'd have like 40, 45 centers. But I think we would be better placed for 2020. But again, at the end of the day, like we're we're in good shape. We're in better shape than I think Bucks fans appreciate. I think this roster is like again, someone like Tony Snell is a great example. Like Tony in 2020, we are not going to sign a, a, a competent 3 and D guy because we're not going to have the cap space. Our best hope is that in 2020, Tony Snell, who we have rights to, will be that competent 3 and D guy. So the fact he is on the roster this year is very encouraging for our long-term prospects because he, again, he might not develop. This might be hoping for too much, but we have the guy in place. Same with Brogdon. I mean, worry because Brogdon's so old. Uh, you know, relatively speaking, but like what we might have a point guard to play on Giannis for, for the future. And that's, that's really encouraging that we have guys. You have to think about this development, where are they going to develop into, where are they going to be in a few years? And yeah, the, and for center, maybe it, it, realistically speaking, Henson and Monroe might be our best option. Like given the constraints that we have, um, I'm a little, I, th- that's the position I'm worried about the most. But well, no point guard. I'm worried about point guard too. But Brogdon. <laughs> but we'll see. I mean, the fact that we have the guys now is, and they're young, is key. Veterans don't do us, don't do anything for us. Yeah, I think, and and I think you know, in the the a lot of if you, if you dial it back and you look at kind of step by step the progression, I think a big reason for for the Bucks like why they wouldn't have gone after a guy like Biombo is basically because of like you know again just sort of the dynamics of the cap, um, and probably the thinking of like well. We've got Plumley on a low cap hold, and we can kind of sit on him and sign him at the end, basically when we're when we're out of cap space. So if we go after a center, you're basically blowing all your cap space on one guy, and then you've got Plumley sitting there in restricted free agency, and you can't you can't cash him in or anything. You know, you're not going to like sign and trade him someplace else for an asset. So, uh, you know, I think unfortunately, like a lot of I think the the path the Bucks took was. We need to address the needs 
which, you know, obviously from a number standpoint was not at the center position, even if it was practically <laughs> at center still um, because, of, you know, just the lack of one obvious starting talent there. Um, so well, I think if you they, kind they of had, rewind, under, I think they, that's... They underestimated Giannis. Like they, they were, were the, the last season was such a disappointment and they felt like they needed to have a better team. I, and I think you think about the big picture politics stuff that goes in this too, right? The, the stadium's being built, like they, they can't be running out a bad team. And... And so they made the team better for this year. And you think about all the moves this year. Like, honestly, if you, I think we'll look back at this summer. If uh, optimistically, the best move they made this summer, again, really maybe getting Tony Snell. Because he's the one guy they acquired this summer that I think you can realistically see having a positive impact on a championship team in 2020. Like, all the other guys they did this summer were all short-term. And again, it was like Cavs thinking, Pelicans thinking. And... And that's why, even if they they're nice for this year, uh, I would have liked to have seen them th- like do one last big move this year, not with an eye towards this year, but with an eye towards towards twenty twenty. But it, it is what it is. Well, I think the twenty twenty guy is a guy we haven't, I think, even mentioned the name of thus far, and I think that's Thon. Yeah. Um, and obviously at this point, he's you know a mystery box. You know, we we don't know exactly. We don't know if he'll be able to play center down the road. That is kind of my my dream, you know, my dream scenario is that he maybe he is your starting center um, in 2020. He needs to add a lot of weight uh, in between now and then for for that to be a reality. And I love um, the, I love the pick for that reason because it was a pick made for four years down the road, not not for this right. year. And right. yeah, so no, I I agree with you. Great point. But we got oh, as opposed to like the freaking Rashad Vaughn pick. <laughs> well, I was well, he was say, young you too. To, I mean, he was a young guy. Yeah. Like, it, but, I, I was going to say you don't need to. Uh, when you were saying that you don't need to go out and sign a three and D guy in 2020, it's because Rashad Vaughn will be in the second oh, year of his uh, big extension stop. at that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think it's interesting. So I think we 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 just unpacked a million things really quickly, and I think we have really a bunch of other we're, stuff. Or like an hour and twenty. Well, we're over an hour, but I mean, we for the I'm saying for the ground we covered, Ben. I think we we did pretty well. Um, I, I think we've got other stuff. We'll we'll I mean we'll 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 have you back sometime soon. We can talk about um, Malcolm Brogdon versus Delhi, and and maybe talk a bit more about Thon, and and we can fawn a bit more over Giannis. Um, which I mean, it, it's, it's, there's never a bad time to fawn about Giannis. It's always a good time to do that. Um, but I want to thank you, Ben, for finally we finally made it a reality. And uh, thanks to everybody for uh, for for. Uh, I guess sitting through us uh, passionately going over a bunch of random bucks topics that, that hopefully people thought were interesting and hopefully you learned something. Um, and and I, so I, I, I have to say to bucks fans is like like enjoy like enjoy this seriously yes. like there's and we picked around like the Miles Pumley thing. If at the end of the day the worst thing going off the bucks is that we signed a a competent backup center to to a contract like we're in phenomenal shape and (laughs) i think fans get so caught up on these fringe guys the the margin guys just don't matter in the nba all that matters is whether or not you have a dominant superstar and and a dominant number two guy and we like everything this year suggests that's exactly what we have and we have a few nice pieces around them like the we're doing this without chris middleton like like Bucks fans are, it's it's arguably the best fan situation in the NBA right now. I mean, obviously, if you're a Warriors fan or a Cavs fan, that's one thing. But the other thing is that Bucks timeline's perfect. Like the the Bucks are going to reach peak Bucks exactly when Cleveland declines. Like we, everything about this team is perfectly positioned. Again, we we nibbled on the things that aren't, but I, there's no freight train. Like the only freight, like. <laughs> It's okay. You can let go. You can enjoy this team. And you it's a team – again, it's a good foundation. You can enjoy this team knowing it's not going to be pulled out from you like two years ago. That that was a faulty team. It was false hope. This team is, is real. It's a real thing. And embrace it. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. There's it, it, We're in the – I agree. We're in the fun part now because, you know, you get these – 
kind of random great performances. Giannis and Jabari are, you know, consistently bringing it and giving us highlights. And there's still sort of that like wonderment and like, oh, my God, this is happening. You know, is Giannis just going to be a regular all star, an all star starter? <gasps> you know, like all this kind of fun stuff that we can we can look forward to. And um, we're still we're, I, I don't want to say we're in the honeymoon phase because that implies that like, oh, it's going to be, you know, uh, we're going to settle down into sort of this like tortured existence a year from now. And I, I, I never want to underestimate, I never want to underestimate Bucks fans ability to reach a tortured equilibrium, but, um, but do enjoy it. Um, don't, don't worry about the losses too much. You know, hopefully the Bucks make the playoffs. If not, there's, you know, this now is not the time to worry about, yeah, you know, enjoy, enjoy, a time, enjoy a time where we can, we can lose a game to Cleveland ever can feel over the moon because in two years that <laughs> loss is going to be awful. It's going to be just a devastating loss. So enjoy, enjoy the fact that you can enjoy losses now. Enjoy it and follow Ben, uh, follow his basketball account at no tech Ben on Twitter. Follow his excellent, um, professional slash, uh, tech account at Ben Thompson. Um, I was, I think I joked about you on a, on a podcast a while ago, how, we were talking about famous famous Bucks fans, and I was saying, based on your Twitter Twitter uh, follower number, you you might be the most famous, at least among hardcore fans. You might be the most Twitter famous hardcore Bucks fan. So uh, I, I, I don't I don't have that many followers. So I don't know I, I don't I don't know I don't know. I mean, the the bar is low in Milwaukee. So given <laughs> that you're half half world away, maybe maybe somebody can can get, hook you up with um you know if you keep kind of building on this, Ben. Maybe three years from now, you can get some some sweet you know courtside tickets when uh, when the Bucks are in well, these I, finals or well, something. I, like yeah, well, I I I did just buy tickets actually um for the the Bucks at Warriors so in in San Francisco. So I won't I won't be able to make. I probably won't be able to make it to a game in Milwaukee, but uh, I'm very excited to go to that. And but you, you come back in the summers, though, right? Uh, I do. every year for some point. Okay, yeah, so they I, just need to they just need to play late enough into the summer. That's problem solved. <laughs> that would be that would be excellent. All right. Well, check out Ben on Twitter. Uh, check out his awesome tech website, Stratechery.com. I kept meaning to plug it as a uh, like Christmas gift for the tech obsessed um, because I. I think it's awesome. Uh, daily uh, Ben writes this great daily email update, which you can find on his website as well. Um, it's just great stuff. If you have any interest in technology or just generally what is happening oh, oh, in well, the world, well, well, I just want to say uh, one: I appreciate the kind words, but two: uh, I want to, on behalf of Bucks fans, thank you for your many years of brew hoop. And it's it's sad for you that you wrote brew hoop for like a decade in these dark, <laughs> dark hours and writing game summaries of just awful games that no one wanted to watch for, for years. And now at the time when things are looking up, you have to step away. But I, I appreciate that you wrote that site. It's, it's, it's a site that's been on the homepage of my phone for, for a long time. And thanks to you. And, and you, you did, a, you did great work and hopefully you can sit back and, you know, watch these games with a beer in your hand and, and really enjoy <laughs> enjoy what's going on. Well, I appreciate it. Um, and, you know, honestly, like the the longer you do it, the less time you find for the stuff that you started the site to do, you know, sort of the big picture analytical state of the universe, according to Bucks fans type stuff. And the more you find like, oh, crap, I got to write a preview because no one's available to write a preview. And you, so you get caught in the slog. And, and that that part, I, I certainly probably won't miss. I think it'll be good to kind of get away from that. Um, but obviously, the fun part is, you know, I, I still can talk about the Bucks on Twitter. And um, most importantly, I still get to to do this with Eric and um, and people like you. So, you know what? Ultimately, talking talking about sports is fun, so I, I still get to do that. And um, yeah, all right, we got we we got to wrap this up. But thanks again to Ben. Um, we'll we'll bring Ben back sometime soon for sure. Um, check out um, Ben's sites on Twitter. I think I plugged you enough, Ben. So I'm, I'm not going to do it again. We should, just, we should just cut uh, this off. <laughs> Um, and uh, thanks again to SeatGeek, our great sponsor. LO Bucks is the promo code. Get that $20 rebate. And we'll be back to talk to you guys again next week. Take care.